We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, what is up? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. We are officially wrapping up our draft day coverage or draft weekend coverage, I should say, uh, as the Chargers have finalized their draft class as of about 15 minutes ago. So uh, as always, my name is Steven. I am your host and joining me here in the Blue Wire studios are my guys, Tyler. And yeah, sorry about that. Uh, yeah. So like I was saying, my guys here, Tyler and Argent. Tyler, what's up, man? How you doing today? I'm doing very well. Uh, we'll talk about the class and the fullback they just took with their last pick. Uh, <laughs> so I definitely have thoughts about that, but I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much to the guys in the booth. We're probably like their most, their like 80th most popular show, but they showed up for us. They're doing their job. I really appreciate that. And thank you, of course, to my aunt and uncle for hosting us this entire weekend. They let us stay at their place for free. Yeah. They gave us hundreds of dollars of food just in their house. It was amazing. They bought a rice cooker for me. I appreciate that so much, guys. Thank you so much. That's awesome, man. They, yeah, you know, shout out to them. Shout out to the Munson family. Arjun is here as well. Arjun, how you doing, man? Uh, doing a little bit worse than when we recorded <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> just based on who the Chargers selected. Uh, I definitely, or we're going to talk about it. Um, but overall, the experience was great. Obviously, day one was was amazing. Um, got to see the drafts in person. Day two and three, we got to go to the bar, see, you know, a lot of Chargers fans there. And I mean, overall, the experience is great. And again, thanks to Tyler's uh, family for hosting us. Yeah, it was a, a little bit of a puzzling day today for the Chargers, but we'll dive into it. So uh, we'll just run down the list here. Of course, the Chargers started their class, like Arjun said, with uh, Zion Johnson, the guard from Boston College. Yesterday, they took JT Woods, the safety from Baylor, who we talked a little bit about on our spaces on Twitter this afternoon or this morning. Uh, then they started today with Isaiah Spiller, the running back from Texas A&M, Otito Ogmonia, the defensive tackle from UCLA, Jamari Sawyer, the offensive lineman from Georgia. Jasir Taylor, the corner from Wake Forest. Dean Leonard, the corner from Ole Miss. And then the fullback that Tyler mentioned, Xander Horvath from Purdue. So uh, we're going to dive into a little bit from each of these players. Um, you know, obviously we don't have a ton of notes on a fullback from Purdue, uh, but we'll do our best. So, you know, we'll start kind of just general standouts. And then, like I said, we'll kind of give some analysis on, on how these players fit in what this might mean for the rest of the draft class and the roster. And uh, it just, some, like I said, some general thoughts. So um, that being said, Arjun, we'll start with you, man. Your your general thoughts about this uh, class that the Chargers have put together this weekend. Um, so overall, I was I was happy with the first, like, two picks. I think 
the JT Woods one, obviously I think Woods could have gone around later, but we watched a little bit of tape on him, and I think there, there there's a lot of like interesting uh, traits that he has um, that can be coached, and he could be a very solid contributor year one. Um, overall, though, day three, I think it was just a mixed bag. Um, my biggest like theme going into the draft was like how far the Chargers were going to stray from the consensus board, um, and I think they did a pretty good job of of drafting within the lines in the first like six picks. Then we got when we got to the final three picks. I mean, two of those guys weren't weren't even on the the athletics uh, <laughs> consensus big board out of three hundred players. <laughs> so the fact that they didn't even make it that far, or they overdrafted in that sense, those guys aren't really going to be contributors like on defense or on offense but the fact that they kind of like strayed from the big board that late I mean I feel like there were some other guys they could have taken um, at that point yeah this draft is a bit of a mixed bag for me the players themselves that they selected that I know anything about I like I definitely like these players and I'm, I'm certainly very happy with Jamari Sailor in the sixth round we'll talk about that fit in a bit but I'm surprised at the positions that they went with now, I mean, did they need a guard? Sure. Did they need a depth corner? Did they need another safety? Sure. But the positions that they went with, running back, guard, guard, fullback, you know, all these positions, they're not premium positions. To me, it's you know, after quarterback, it's edge, it's tackle, it's corner and wide receiver. And they basically neglected corner most of the way. There's, there's no starter in here, not year one at least, which is fine. But I don't even think this is a year two starter. These are all special teams guys. No edge rushers were taken. You know, they don't, I think, have a tackle. It depends what Sailor ends up doing. So I'm just a bit surprised that they didn't go with any of those premium positions. And they needed an edge three, potentially an edge four. Uh, um, Emeka Egbule can get off the team for dating my sister. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, they needed an edge four. They needed something else. Instead, I'm seeing, you know, special teams, nose tackle, guard. And again, like these players that I know about, I'm just surprised that's the direction that they went. So hopefully there's something after the draft. Hopefully they know. Maybe it's a priority free agent. Maybe it's an NFL free agent. Hopefully there's some sort of plan post-draft. And Telesco has signed these guys before, but I'm a little worried about some positions right now because it seems Arjun, we were talking on the way here, Arjun pointed out that there's always something that Telesco seems to miss. There's always a position that everyone knows they need to address at some point, and they just don't. You know, 2020, it was tackle. The issue here, it feels like edge. And with two guys who are not always the healthiest, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, whether it be injuries or concussions, it's a bit worrisome. Yeah, so really quickly, the Chargers have signed their first undrafted free agent. Breaking news. Uh, breaking news here on the podcast. Uh, former Illinois quarterback Brandon Peters signing with the Chargers. To got a quarterback? A quarterback. Can he a, play edge rusher? <laughs> he cannot rush the passer, but he can be a passer. So, uh, you know, that's uh, then obviously an Easton stick uh, competition body. So, um, yeah, I'm going to start off with JT Woods, who we mentioned a little bit. Uh, like I said, in our Twitter spaces, uh, the more that I learned about this player, I think I really am a big fan of the selection. And so I think just the the issues, first and foremost, that people kind of talked about, the tackling issues, um, really I'm not super concerned about them. We watched every single missed tackle that he had uh, this past season. And it was just minor technique issues, like Brandon Slee was talking about, just a failure to wrap up properly and, and kind of drive and, and finish that tackle. But I think you really see a, a high-end processor and somebody that uses that elite speed to have, uh, as Brandon Staley put it, premier range at the safety position. So I'm a little worried about the cornerback depth, you know, was worried about the cornerback depth, but I think 
with JT Woods. That's your sixth defensive back. He has some slot flexibility. He can play against bigger tight ends. Um, so I'm a big fan of that pick, and I'm a big fan of the Jamari Sawyer pick, like we mentioned. So uh, we were kind of joking on Twitter. You know, we're two years away from you know Forrest Lamp and Ryan Groy and Dan Feeney mm-hmm. and Cole Toner being starting level players for this team, and you know, we'll see what they do with Matt Filer. I think he's obviously the likely candidate to bump out to the right tackle, barring a, a veteran signing. But you have now Matt Filer, Corey Lindsley, Zion Johnson as your starting trio potentially. Then you have Brennan Hymas, Will Clapp, and um, Jamari Sawyer, like I mentioned, as your three main backups. So that's a really, really good group. I feel very good about the future of that interior. Um, they really only keep five players on a roster, so... Maybe that's another thing kind of indicating to Matt Filer kicking outside. But uh, Jamari Sawyer, Zion Johnson, two road-grading offensive guards that you can pair with Corey Lindsay and just really beef up that interior. So I had a third-round grade on him. He was my interior. He was my fifth-ranked interior offensive lineman, and I was shocked that he was available in the sixth round. Tyler was kept on asking, like, oh, where'd Sawyer go? Where'd Sawyer go? And it was like, well, (laughs) to the Chargers. So I'm a big fan of that pick. I think that, to me, unequivocally best pick of the day for the Chargers today. Yeah, arguably the best pick of the draft. I think that player can. So there was some sort of medical concern, potentially, and that's potentially the reason why he fell. I don't know what that is yet because he's a very good player, highly regarded on the consensus board by you know Brandon Thorne, the O-line guru, by us, not that anybody cares. Um, so I'm a little bit surprised that he fell. But going back to JT Woods, I'm not saying he's like Andrew Booth and Derek Stingley and their tackling problem. Because they do have high missed tackle rates, but he's, he's kind of that same sort of thing where he clicks, he closes, he reads, reacts, he triggers downhill. He has excellent range. Like watching the mistakes almost made me appreciate the pick more because I knew that he had a bad missed tackle rate, and I've seen it, but I didn't watch every missed tackle, obviously. So seeing him make those mistakes, they were so correctable, in my opinion. And some of that is just him bulking up. It's very correctable, so the more I thought about it, you know, if you sit there and look at the things that are good about him and things that are bad about him, if you focus on the bad stuff, and, you know, listen, he did fall to the third round for a reason. He was projected to go to the fourth round for a reason. If you focus on that, maybe you don't like it as much. But if you think about the way he's going to fit in this defense and what he can do with Derwin James, we saw Brandon Staley say, hey, we're going to arm Derwin James with as many guys as we can. And if this guy can be you know, obviously a, a turnover machine and a guy that can free up Derwin James, it's perfect. And there's so much to develop there. Nasir Adderley took three years just to become a downhill tackler as a cover two sort of guy. JT Woods can do that. Now, again, it's a tackling issue that needs to be worked on, but the mentality, the intelligence, all that is there. I really like this pick. I, it's a B minus for me because it is a reach, but it has gone up for me because I really appreciate even just the mistakes. Yeah, so let's, uh, let's talk about some of the other picks here. I think obviously we have to start with Isaiah Spiller. That's who the Chargers mm-hmm. started their day with. Um, we knew that the Chargers needed to address the backup running spot. They needed a true compliment to Austin Eckler uh, to kind of take some pressure off of him. Eckler at one point in the season was, was basically begging the rest of the guys to step up. And I think to a point, Justin Jackson did do that at the end of last season, but obviously he's not on the team. Michael Davis took his number. So it's a little, little bit of a weird situation going on there. But uh, Isaiah Spiller out of Texas A&M. I know a lot of people were you know, accusing me of being a, a Debbie Downer on the pick today and, and really frustrated with how negative I was being. And let me just say, I do really like the, the back. I think his value as it pertains to the consensus big board was, was a good pick. I just, he's not my kind of back. I, I 
like those shorter, more elusive, faster kind of running backs. And that's what I thought the Chargers needed based off of Justin Jackson kind of being that second back to Austin Eckler. And I wanted them to essentially take that guy, get a healthier version, a cheaper version, if you will, and, and kind of roll out there. But instead, you get a taller, little slower running back who, I mean, he missed, a, he forced a lot of missed tackles, which is good. He has a legitimate reputation for being a receiving back, but I'm just a little confused by the fit. And I don't like the approach more than anything else because you could have gotten a very similar player later on in the draft. And you start the fourth, you start day three with clear needs at edge. You need a cornerback four that we were talking about. And instead you start the day with a running back. So the, Isaiah Spiller is a good player. He is. I just don't like the process of the pick. I don't like the value of the pick. And that really is my criticism of taking Isaiah Spiller in the fourth round. Yeah, no, the, the biggest problem with me, honestly, is like, it just like, okay, so Isaiah Spiller coming out of Texas A&M is a better running back than Larry Roundtree and Joshua Kelly were coming out of East, uh, Missouri and UCLA, respectively. Mm -hmm. uh, Dane Brugler had uh, Spiller as RB3, had him, and the consensus big board from The Athletic had him ranked at like the 66 mark, I think. And so the Chargers getting him at like the 120-ish area is, is great. You're getting a great value on him. The problem is what, evaluating running backs from college to the NFL, one is pretty tricky. One of the few predictors that has shown to be stable from college to the NFL does a good job of predicting running back success from college to the NFL is the running back's explosive run rate from co in, in college. Isaiah Spiller's explosive run rate in college was 5.8%. Larry Roundtree's explosive run rate in college was around 5.8%. I, I don't know the exact number, but it's around 5.8%. Joshua Kelly's explosive run rate in college was like around 5.6%. So you have three like unexplosive, not explosive, yeah, non-explosive <laughs> runners paired with Austin Eckler. Yeah. Like you have three of the same guys. Like that's, he's a great running, like he's a good running back. RB3 from Dane Brugler, 66 on the consensus board. It just doesn't make sense from a fit perspective. He doesn't, I don't really see how he adds a ton of value in this running back room if it just seems like they're doubling down on what they already had and they're just trying to get better. Like it seems like they're compensating for the Larry Roundtree pick. I'm not a huge fan of doing that. You know, I would have rather seen someone who has a little more juice or if they were to take this type of player, you could wait until round six like they did with, with Roundtree with other bigger needs on the roster. So wasn't too big of a fan of Spiller, even though I think in terms like of the value on him as a player, I think they got him, you know, later than when he was projected to go. Yeah, it's it's kind of like JT Woods for me where, okay, good player, absolutely. And this was actually around late, it feels like. You got to steal with this guy. Again, I know Arjun knows and has shown on his in his data, there's really rarely a steal in the draft, but it does kind of feel like the Chargers got one here. I believe he was my RB6. I don't know where he was for you, Steven, uh, but he was. He was much lower for me. Okay. <laughs> I like the pick more, but he, he was, you know, uh, he was a steal based on what they, you know, where we had him at least. I had a third round grade on him. Sure. And so, you know, I think the Chargers just wanted a guy who ran in a system at Texas A&M that they were used to, you know, that they are going to run, that they tried to lean on. I know you had watched a lot more of the rushing attack um, in the second half of the season for the Chargers, and they leaned into more, maybe some misdirection, some counters, a lot of pullers. A lot of slice, all that sort of stuff. And I think just watching, I had to, I had to revisit it. There's a lot of players in my brain right now. So I had to revisit Isaiah Spiller, and you mm -hmm. could just tell that the system that they ran 
was exactly what Spiller is used to. And so the Chargers, it's a kind of a nice fit. So you know, on top of that, I do think him being number one in drop rate in a good way and number two out of our, all of our running backs in fumbles is great. Like he is a ball security guy. And I think we're just kind of sick of watching, you know, Joshua Kelly fumble the ball and give the game away, pick a game, any game. Um, and then Larry Roundtree isn't much of a receiver. I believe, yeah. I, be, I believe right now Isaiah Spiller has more receiving yards than Larry Roundtree does because Larry Roundtree has negative one yards in the NFL. <laughs> so, you know, he's, he's perceived to be a good receiving back. I think he's one of the best pass catchers. Um, maybe sure. not as much as like a, down, like a James Cook sort of guy, but, you know, out of the backfield work sort of guy. So I think he holds onto the ball better than Larry Round, or than Joshua Kelly does. He's a better receiver than Larry Roundtree is. But yeah, like you said, there's a, a lot of redundancy there. It's not great, but hey, they got a steal. He fits what they want to do. He's an improvement in certain areas over other guys that they have. And I think we have an RB2 set here. Yeah, no, if, if uh, Isaiah Spiller is not the RB2 this year, then we have some serious problems in evaluation. <laughs> so I think unequivocally, like he, like I said, he's an upgrade over what the Chargers have had the past two years after they let Melvin Gordon go. Uh, Danny Kelly of the Ringer actually compared Isaiah Spiller to Melvin Gordon. So potentially very similar styles. I think if there is a day three pick that obviously kind of outproduces his draft slot, it's going to be Spiller just because he is basically a starter. So, um, you know, the, every single draft analyst will tell you that if you're trying to get a really good draft, you're trying to get three, four starters, and Spiller is going to be a starter, right? Essentially, you know, carrying the workload. As a running back, too, he is going to be a starting caliber player. So, you know, Tyler's making some going some great points. I think one of my favorite things about him, kind of just turning it a little bit positive, he's a fantastic Texas route runner. Like, mm -hmm. he is that good of a, a pass-catching running back where I feel like he, he can complement and kind of take, again, kind of some of that pressure off of Austin Eckler. It's just the, the value of that selection when you had other players on the board just was not my favorite, which, is again, is fine. But... Um, you know, I kind of had to see, and I think, you know, one of the things that we were saying yesterday, the, the rushing attack is going to be improved purely by having Zion Johnson and now Jamari Salyer, of course, who I know he kind of graded out as a better pass protector and we'll see where exactly he fits in, but you improve the offensive line, the rushing attack is going to improve. So, um, let's talk a little bit about where we feel about the defensive line at this point. Obviously, the UCLA defensive tackle, Otito Ogbonia, um, coming in as a potential nose tackle, one technique kind of profile. He really stood out at the senior bowl to me as somebody that was winning a lot of one-on-one -on -one, one -on -one reps. Um, actually, Gavino, Gavino Borges from Chargers Wire is very high on him and posted some clips of him actually beating Zion in, in pass protection drills. So, Tyler, where do, you, where do you feel now about this defensive line depth after adding Sebastian Joseph Day? Austin Johnson, and now Ogbonia in the draft. In terms of depth, I, I feel really good about this group. It's a very deep class. I had someone text me from the team that it's a very deep, like the trenches are so deep for this team outside of maybe right tackle, but we'll kind of see what they do there. It's a very good group. And you pointed out, Stephen, again, Stephen doing the film study, that the Chargers kind of made the switch. Like, yeah, on paper, they're a 3-4, but they made the switch to having maybe, you know, four big dudes up front who could do a lot of things. I don't know. I didn't, I've not watched Otito Ogbonia, so I don't know if he's versatile. But if they can move you know, him all over, they have Fahoko all over, that's a really, really solid group. I don't know. I, I wish there was another pass rushing guy. Sure. Jerry Tillery is your best pass rusher. 
And that's not great. Um, <laughs> I, we were, a lot of people were hoping that they'd take Devontae Wyatt and he and the Tillery would be your developmental, not developmental, your backup rotational, you know, pass rusher. Uh, it's just Jerry Tillery. Like, Braden Fajoko is great. He's a nose guy. Uh, you know, Otito, he is the, unfortunately, lowest ranked guy on our composite stat rankings. So it's a bit surprising that they didn't go for more of a pass rush type, but it's hard to argue that at least there's good depth on this team. Yeah, and you pointed out uh, on Twitter the RAS profile of mm-hmm. Ogbonia is very similar to the profile of Ashawn Robinson, who's carved out a very nice role uh, in the NFL, specifically with the Rams. So I think, you know, speaking on kind of what I watched from the Rams this past season when I was watching Sebastian Joseph Day, one of the things that they really started to do was essentially get a jumbo package line to stop the run. And so they had a very versatile group, of course, with Ashawn Robinson and Sebastian Joseph Day. You could play a bunch of the different positions. And then Greg Gaines was their stereotypical one technique, nose tackle, run stuffing defensive player. And so what they would do is they would bring all three of those guys in. They would have Aaron Donald as kind of their four tech, five tech, and they would also have the two edge rushers. And so we saw the Chargers do a little bit of that. They'd kick Joey Bosa inside and then bring in Uchenon Wosu and put maybe Kenneth Murray on the edge or something like that. Now they can get legitimate space eaters in that kind of package and really control the line of scrimmage with Ugbonia. Maybe it's Christian Covington alongside those three, or maybe it's Braden Fajoko. And I think, frankly, my favorite thing about the pick is that they actually have a legitimate rotation mm-hmm. along the defensive line where last year they were just playing Justin Jones and Jerry Tillery like 80% of the snaps whenever they were healthy. Lumad Joseph at age 33 playing, you know, 75, 80% of the snaps. That's just not how you have a healthy rotation and keep guys fresh. Now they kind of pointing at, at uh, carrying six defensive linemen on the roster, which I felt like they should have done all along last year. And like I said, be able to rotate guys, keep them fresh, and have, you know, five really good run-stuffing defensive tackles. Yeah, and so we watched Otito's uh, – run like all 11 of his run stops um in 2021 and i mean the thing we i i noticed and i think you noticed also steven is like a lot of them came lining up at one tech wasn't a lot of whole wasn't a ton of like three tech um, alignments when he he had a good run stop uh so he's probably going to be the backup to sebastian joseph day but i could also see like you said a rotation where he's playing one tech or he's playing three tech um, I also can like I also think one of the biggest issues for the Chargers that no one really has talked about is like their red zone defense. So sure. last year the Chargers allowed a touchdown on 64.2% of their of the opponent's red zone trips. Ugh. So the Chargers also allowed the fourth most red zone trips on defense. So out of the 67 red zone trips they allowed, they allowed a f- touchdown on 43 of them. Part of that is because they couldn't stop the run. Sure. Now I know we talked about it a little about how like the Rams have these big jumbo packages of four D tackles, nose tackles. I wonder if this is a pick to help the red zone defense, which traditionally isn't something that's stable from year to year. Like you could be really good in the red zone one year and really bad the next year, like vice versa. But I do think this, this is a step towards stopping the run and anything that gets Tillery off the field on early downs (laughs) is, is a net positive. So I think it does help the versatility you know, I, I, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have any film or thoughts on him when they took him. Obviously, it was a position of need. They needed another interior D lineman, and I think he does help them in areas where they need to improve, and especially in the low red where they had a ton of struggles last year, stopping the run and you know stopping the pass. Yeah, I mean, this 
I'm just picturing in my head that final play the Raiders ran where Josh Jacobs got that first down sure. and him kicking the field goal. Your first two picks in this draft, one of them is a defensive lineman who can help in that regard, of course, but you also have JT Woods who can trigger downhill and, and stop Josh Jacobs and make the postseason. Like I think these two picks really do address that kind of problem. Like you said, maybe it's red zone defense, sure, but just got to have it situations. We have to be faster or more physical. And again, whether you like the players or not, it seems like that was their intention with at least these first two picks. Yeah, I think that's a really good call, Arjun and Tyler, and being able to focus in on stopping the run. And so I think the run defense, everybody was really worried about to start the draft process. And, you know, now I feel like it's it's taken care of. We'll see about the linebackers. You know, it's <laughs> another position they didn't necessarily draft, but uh, we'll see how that one pans out. So, um, you know, every single year, it's really funny. Like, I, we grade all these players. And this year, I almost got up to, like, 175. And I only had the two players that the Chargers drafted, not graded, not watching film or anything. And it was the two cornerbacks that they took, which is a position of need for them. So <laughs> we'll kind of wait as it pertains to, you know, really analyzing and diving into Jasir Taylor from Wake Forest. And um, what's, his, what's his name? Excuse me. Dean Leonard. Dean Leonard. Thank you from Ole Miss. So um, interesting prospects. They're at least really good athletes. That much we know right now. Um, but where are we at with this cornerback room? Because right now, Tavon Campbell is your fourth cornerback. That was the case heading into last season. So, Arjun, what <laughs> what is happening here? <laughs> yeah, no, it's like you said, we're one injury away from Tavon Campbell starting. Or or if Asante gets hurt, we're one injury away from like maybe Kimon Hall being the designated slot corner. And that's upsetting. Like, that's just like, like, look, on the outside, if you're not a fan of the Chargers or you're just like a national analyst and you're just like, okay, what do you think about the Chargers? That's such a good team. They're starting 22 is among the best in the league. And I agree. But once that one injury hits, you're starting a CFL player. You're starting a UDFA. Like I, it's good that they invested a sixth and seventh round pick, but like these guys had bad production in college. They're just athletes. I'm just guessing these are special teams guys. So again, one injury away from like like experiencing the same thing that happened last year against the Chiefs against against the Texans where you have Trey Marshall starting or you have uh Devontae Harris starting like it's I I hope they have a plan to get some cheap guys in free agency because right now I am a little bit worried about the depth on defense because I think that is a huge issue still yeah I mean I had them taking two corners in our final mock I had them taking one in the third round I think one later in the sixth round because you need them and like, and like outside corners who played and at good programs and I know who they I'm not saying these guys are bad I just don't know who they are but I know that the at least the guys that I was going for <laughs> could either start or develop into it and I don't know about these guys because we know with the Telesco history it's just kind of like they're fast or they're not fast but they're really high character and they're going to be great on special teams but we need to find guys to develop to get better and to eventually you know either replace Michael Davis or play if he is hurt or whatever. And, you know, there's kind of like Davis is injury prone ish. I also like to say Samuel Jr. is on his second concussion. And they figured, nah, we don't need corners till later. Same yeah. thing. I mean, basically, it feels like the same thing as edge rusher. They do have three corners, they only have two real edge rushers. So, hey, they have three corners. That's one more, but you're going to need more than that. Uh, to me, it really, we're, we're one injury away from, you know, Campbell starting from potentially, or Keemon Hall starting potentially. I really think we're one injury away from because Telesco has done this before. If you have a history with the team, and you know we'll bring you back. You know yeah. they brought Jalila Die back, so you probably know where I'm going with this. 
we're one injury away from Chris Harris Jr. returning to the team. I, oh, I'm completely honest. <laughs> I think, and you know, <laughs> I suppose you could do worse, but I think we're one injury away from them going, uh, listen, we need someone who can step in right away and is, you know, understands our scheme yeah. and give Chris Harris Jr. a call. Yeah. I don't know. It's I'm just a little puzzled by the fits of both of these players. I mean, it's there were other players on the board that could develop into starting caliber, caliber corners that they could have taken. You know, whether that was a Chase Lucas from Arizona State, whether that was a Jalen Watson from Washington State, or Tariq Castro-Fields from Penn State. Lots of state schools. Um, <laughs> but I, I think they, they really needed kind of a, that outside profile developmental project. And everything that I'm reading about these two corners is that they're going to be slot corners. Um, you know, one of the um, Dean Leonard tweets that I saw was maybe potentially him converting to safety. And so there's really Michael Davis and J.C. Jackson – and then you don't really have another true outside corner because Tavon Campbell played a ton in the slot uh, across the last two seasons as well. So I'm just a little confused by that. Maybe somebody cheap is incoming. Maybe a Kyle Fuller, Chris Harris coming back. I don't know, man. It's just a little weird. And then the edge rusher group, I have to imagine that they have kind of a, a veteran agreement. I don't I, Imagine is probably the wrong word. I have to hope that yeah. they have a veteran <laughs> agreement in hand because – you know, in a best case scenario with Chris Rumpf, he's your edge three, but then you don't, you, you literally do not have an edge four on your roster. You know, there's a CFL guy, there's MK Egbele. I just, I don't know, man, it, it, it's tough. So I think the Chargers will have some of these players hit. They generally always feel like I get at least one or two day three picks to be starting caliber players in each draft. But if that's only Isaiah Spiller and Jamari Sawyer, I think that's a little disappointing. So, I don't want it to seem like we're really harping in on, on these bad picks, but I just think the process that the Chargers have kind of taken across these three days just leaves a little bit left to be desired. That said, I really like Zion Johnson. Obviously, I championed for him. <laughs> Zion Johnson is a fantastic pick. I think you can see a world where JT Woods becomes a future starter for them. And listen, like Nasir Adderley is a free agent next year. Mm -hmm. Derwin James also a free agent next year. They can't afford to sign both. They have like $8 million in cap space next year. So JT Woods is going to be a starting player for them. Isaiah Spiller going to be a starting player for them. We'll see about Jamari Sawyer. If that's your four starting players, then from an outside perspective, you're probably fine. It's just the process of not taking an edge, not taking a corner, and favoring these other positions. Again, I like these players, but I, I just feel like they're, they left some meat on the bone, specifically at those premium positions, like you guys said earlier. Yeah, I mean, them getting starters out of Salier or Spiller, potentially, I guess Salier or Spiller will never start while Eckler is on the team, of course, but they only got them because they fell, and one potentially fell because of medical concerns. You know, they have to make a pick in the draft, and like, I like Ogbonia. It's, I, I seem to like Ogbonia, you know, but Jasir Taylor, like, this is the first corner that you take. He's a corner? Yeah, he's yeah. a corner. So he's a corner, and look, I have not watched the film. I, he might be outstanding outside of this. But he had nine penalties and five touchdowns allowed in 2021. I think he said like 120 passer rating allowed when targeted. But he runs a 4.37. So it's just, <laughs> I'm just surprised. You know, they pride themselves on being some sort of DBU. Staley says they're always going to be looking for corners. Yeah. And, you know, they looked for corners and they found corners. They just found one. The first one they took had nine penalties and five touchdowns. Yeah. And a that's rating of 120 in 2021. That's like biggest surprise of this weekend, right? Like Brandon Staley gets on the podium at the combine. Uh, I need corners. I need more corners. I am always going to be looking for corners. You know, we heard through Daniel Popper that they potentially were not super high on Michael Davis. 
I heard that they were potentially looking at Kyler Gordon at 17, the corner from Washington. And you don't take a corner until the sixth round, and it's a guy who's probably not even playing like anything beyond special teams. So, again, just have some more questions than answers than I would like. And you know, if they get the four starters like we mentioned, obviously the draft, cast, the draft class will be better than they have in previous years. But I'm just like, where are we at with corner? Where are we at with edge? Those are not really questions that you want to still have after the third day of the draft. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think more than anything, I mean, the first five picks of this draft came at non-premium positions. I mean, we're talking guard, uh, safety, running back, D-tackle, and then guard again because Sawyer's not going to play tackle for the Chargers. So, you, I mean, that kind of process isn't, isn't great, right? Like, you look at the Chiefs, their first four picks came at positions that impact the passing game. That's what the Chargers did last year, and they improved on offense. But this year, like, they're, they're still going to be a top-five offense as long as Herbert and the key guys stay healthy. But, like, yeah, the process, like Steven's talking about, isn't great. Now, the one thing I will say I think they did a decent job at, and I brought it up before, is, like, staying close to the consensus board. So um, one of my guys, Benjamin Robinson, who has a website called Grinding the Mocks, which pretty much – takes into account like where a player is expected to go based on where they land in mo various mock drafts. The Chargers ranked 10th in terms of getting players um, at a value compared to where they're expected to go in the draft, which is good. Uh, so they're one of like, they're, there's only like 13 teams that ended up getting value out of like their entire draft. The Chargers are one of them. So that's good to see. Uh, they didn't reach too, too much on players. And this, uh, this, um, metric is adjusted by pick so you know the later rounds where you have just here taylor and um and uh, dean dean leonard dean leonard even though they might not be on the consensus big board it doesn't really matter because this is adjusted by round so the chargers i think did a good job of sticking true to like not reaching too much on a player i know the jt woods pick was a little bit of a reach but i mean a round isn't like as much as like cole strange or <laughs> anyone anyone the Patriots took or the Giants took after round one. So yeah. process over results, as always. Um, I, I am just curious to see what they do after the draft because I think there are a lot of needs that still need to be filled. Yeah, so there's been a bunch of uh, undrafted free agent signings so far. Only the one for the Chargers, Illinois quarterback that I mentioned earlier. So we'll have to see what they do, man. I would love to see them. Mario Goodrich still remains unsigned. He has not signed with anybody. All the offensive tackles are gone. So... Um, We'll see, man. They still have that hole at right tackle. They still have that hole at edge. But I'm very excited about the interior groups of this uh, offensive and defensive line, man. I think the, this group that the Chargers put together on both sides of those group are really fantastic. So, um, like I said, we'll have some more thoughts on Jasir Taylor and Dean Leonard, as well as the fullback, as we are able to kind of dive in a little bit more to their film. But, Tyler, uh, final thoughts of this draft weekend before we uh, head out of here. I mean, overall, I had a blast. This was a lot of fun <laughs> being here. Again, staying for free with my aunt and uncle was fantastic. Anywhere I could stay for free and get free food is all right with me. If you had told me two, you know, two and a half years ago when we had started the podcast that I would give the, like, the biggest happy reaction to two interior offensive <laughs> linemen, two big, I, I, I am no interior offensive lineman by any means, um, <laughs> I would have been surprised. But hey, I love it. I love those two picks. I can't wait to dive into these players more and just and see why. Because even JT Woods, if I gave you know the C plus two, the more you dove into it, the more you understood it. So I can't wait to at least, you know, good or bad, understand why these players were selected by the Chargers. 
Arjun, final thoughts, man. Um, really enjoyed the experience as always. You know, I think the the Chargers results could have been had a lot left to be desired. Uh, but overall, I mean, Zion, as long as Zion hits and JT contributes year one, I think it'll be fine. Anything after that is kind of just a bonus. Um, really excited for the future of the team. And, you know, again, really appreciate you guys letting me join you guys on this really cool adventure. Yeah, man, this, uh, this weekend was a lot more fun being able to be together. Obviously, we wish Alex were uh, able to make this trip. Maybe one day we'll be able to, you know, go the, the, the six of us now, essentially. Kyle, I feel like is, is a guilty as charged uh, adjacent. So we'll kind of see what we do there. But um, really excited about this uh, group of interior players, like I mentioned, being able to be here with you two and taking all the draft stuff. Uh, was a lot of fun. So um, that's going to do it for us today, guys. We will have, like I said, more reaction and grades as we dive further into this class. But we will uh, talk to you next time, recording probably on Tuesday or Wednesday. But uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. And as always, leave us a rating or review. Check us out on YouTube, all that good stuff. Bye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.